Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of Songwriter Theory. And today, we are going to talk about writing a tattoo lyric. And my challenge to you will be to write a tattoo lyric, which you might be asking, what the heck is a tattoo lyric? Um, and the answer to that is it's something that I believe I made up. Uh, maybe it's a concept out there. It doesn't seem to be when I Google it. It just seems to be pictures of tattoos that happen to be tattoos that are lyrics of certain artists. Um, but the idea is based off of that, right? Um, there are certain lyrics that people feel so attached to or so um, that resonate so well with people that they are willing to tattoo it on their bodies, which some people are very loose about tattoos, right? They have like tattoos of, I knew a guy that got a, a tattoo of a grilled cheese sandwich on his heel just so he could get 10% off his favorite grilled cheese restaurant. Like that to me is deep into crazy town. Um, but you know, there are people like that, but for the most part, most people are going to only get a tattoo if it has a like significant meaning to them. So if you get a tattoo, it's probably not going to be about the latest Taylor Swift song. Just kidding. But no, seriously. Right? Like, I like picking on Taylor Swift because I specifically dislike her. But um, most pop artists, right? Like, there aren't, too many, there aren't too many Justin Bieber lyrics that you want a tattoo on your body, right? So a tattoo lyric, what is it? What it's not, I just covered by insulting some pop stars, but uh, what what is it? It's, to me, basically these three things. One, a lyric that stands on its own. Two, a single line, or maybe a pair of two lines, that's dripping with meaning. Um, so, questions to ask off of that is, is the line quotable? You know, something that, like, doesn't really need context. It's quotable. You can just say it and people are like, oh, wow, that's profound. Um, and, and then connected to that is, is the line something deep and philosophical or otherwise profound? Right? People, people don't usually quote stupid quotes unless it's to be funny. But even that, right? Like, nobody remembers the stupid stuff Benjamin Franklin says. They just remember the smart stuff. Um, and that is true of pretty much anybody else, right? Like there are some exceptions, like people that, especially in the modern day era with Twitter and stuff where people will remember the dumb stuff you say. And, you know, so with today's current world, it's a little more likely you'll get quoted on the dumb stuff you say or be, or quoted on dumb stuff that you're accused of saying that you didn't actually say, which sadly is also a thing. Um, but normally, right. Uh, quotable stuff is is stuff that is deep and profound, uh, which connects to that third part, which is a line that a person could see as particularly meaningful. So, now that we have said what a tattoo lyric is, your question, probably since the beginning, is why do I care? Why do I need to write a tattoo lyric? So, 
to me, there's several reasons for this. We're going to go through three main ones. And the first main idea is it guarantees something memorable in your song. So it's like anything else. If you have it, if you have an idea in the front of your mind, you're less likely to make the mistake that is not doing that idea. So for for example, you've probably heard the strategy of like in a multiple choice test or something, if you write an answer and you're really not sure and you're torn between two, stick with whatever your gut is. Don't change it because usually if you change it, you change it, your gut was right and you change it to the wrong one, right? If you forget about that rule, you're going to go through at the end of the test and change all your answers. If you have that in the front of your mind, you're going to think, wait a second, wait a second, this is a 50-50. I'm just going to stick with my gut because I know that rule I said to myself of, of, you know, usually when you change it, it happens to be changing it to the wrong thing. So that rule you have in your head, that concept you have in your head is going to protect you from making a mistake, right? Or maybe if there is a sport you play or played in high school or middle school or elementary school, who cares? Uh, And there's like one specific thing that you know you have a tendency to do. Like um, maybe you curve the ball too much when you kick it. And, you know, so if you actively have it, the presence of mind to constantly be like, okay, you know you tend to curve it a little too much, so compensate a little bit for that by aiming... You know, if, if you want to go far to the left, aim a little less to the left because you know it's going to curve even more. Um, or in your writing, right? In your, in your music, maybe you know you, you tend to write um, something where the, let's say you have a habit of good melodies, but um, you often kind of, uh, let's say, do not super interesting guitar parts, right? You, you tend to fall in that trap of like, you just strum chords and the chords are just whatever and you're constantly using the key of G and maybe the key of C, doing the same stuff over and over and you never finger pick to change it up and you kind of get stuck in that rut. If you if you think that to yourself, what when you go to write another song, it will help prevent you from doing that. So having this concept of the tattoo lyric in your mind starts to guarantee you're going to have something memorable in your mind, right? Because now you have that accountability of like, okay, I know that I should aim to at least have one line in there that I think is so deep and memorable that somebody would want to tattoo that on their bodies. So another part to this is if you, if you make an active effort to make sure one line sticks out among the rest, it guarantees at least one line that will probably stick out to your listeners, which will elevate the song in their minds. Right? So mediocrity isn't memorable, right? If you have a song that's just solid throughout and has nothing that really sticks out, then it probably will just be one of the myriad of songs that people listen to never remember and just move on from. And, um, and that on top of the idea that, like, to some extent, there's taste, right? There are plenty of artists that I know are good artists that I've passed by just because I simply don't 
care for their style or I don't care for their voice or some other thing, right? So I'm not saying that the only reason people pass you by is your song isn't memorable enough, right? Like, like I've, I've had some people like songs that I, I barely like of my own, you know, they're like towards the bottom of my, like, uh, I wrote that in high school. So take this with a grain of salt. Like it's not, I don't exact, I stand by the song for a high schooler, but like, it's not exactly a song I fantasize about playing in front of thousands of people. Um, and you know, people still even like those songs. And then sometimes even like those better than the songs that I know are much better songs that I've written. And then, you know, on the other side, there are people that even my best song that, that, you know, somebody else would be like, wow, that's a really good song, man. They'll just be like, yeah, you know, maybe they like happy music, right? So they're not going to like my music generally. Uh, so I'm, I'm not counting that concept, right? Like, yes, there are songs that there's, there's just people that will will or will not like you for good or not good reasons that are might just be pure taste but somebody who might otherwise like your music right so i've heard music that i feel like had a lot going for it but just nothing seemed particularly memorable about it there wasn't a particularly good melody at any point in the song there wasn't a particularly good lyric in the song which is usually um usually for me it's almost always lyrics that are going to eliminate an artist. There are a lot of artists out there that can write a decent melody, uh, that have at least interesting enough arrangements that I like all of those things about them, but almost always that last test or really my first test before I even bother to figure out if I like an artist is the lyrics. And for whatever reason, a good lyricist seems to be the most rare trait in, in bands and songwriters and stuff. Um, which seems interesting because it's a pretty significant part of it. Um, but that being said, for me personally, lyrics, if you were to show me your song, the easiest way for me, for me to be like, eh, not for me, is the lyrics. Um, so because of that, because I come from that mindset where, mindset where I'm extra... You know, I have standards with lyrics. I, I like if there's anything that I think the average standard of songwriting in general right now is not good. I think it's lyrics. Like you should think of yourself as a poet that 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 um, writes great music as well, and it just goes comes together, and it's all just you know awesome. But um, I don't know. I feel like songwriters are like the amount of songwriters who don't care about lyrics at all just stuns me. Like then why do you even have lyrics then? Like, just leave them out. Nobody wants to hear your voice. A anyway, so getting off that soapbox, mediocrity isn't memorable, right? Football players with elite speed, elite quickness, elite hands are the ones that stick out, right? Uh, I was listening to my favorite Broncos podcast the other day, uh, which is the DNVR Broncos podcast. I say shout out to them, but there's like a 0% chance any of them listen to this podcast but great stuff if you're a Denver Broncos fan go check it out it's awesome but they were talking about how there's this one because the NFL draft's coming up if you don't know anything about the NFL I'm going to try to make this so anybody can relate um so there's like a bunch of elite wide receivers this draft which means teams will have the opportunity to be able to select a top shelf talent wide receiver um, almost anywhere in the first round, probably. There are a bunch of really talented wide receivers. And they even mentioned, like, 
there's this one wide receiver that's really good at everything. But they think he might fall because he's not the elite one in any one category. So there's one that's an elite route runner. There's one that has like elite speed. And there's one that's elite size, right? And then there's this last one that's just really great across the board. But there's not one thing that you can say he's the fastest one in the draft. He's the biggest one in the draft. He's So because of that, he's going to fall, even though he might end up being the best wide receiver out of all of them. He doesn't have that one thing that sticks out, right? Same thing I'm convinced of is the same for TV shows. There are a lot of shows out there that do a lot of things well. Not great. Not badly, just well across the board. But the the shows that end up making it are something that does at least one thing great. Like there's at least one aspect that is just great and sticks out. Um, So if you think about your favorite TV show, there's probably at least one thing that it does really, really, really well. Even if the plot isn't that good, maybe there's a character that's phenomenal. Right? Or... You know, maybe, like, take The Office. I think part of what makes The Office extremely special is that it's great in many different ways. Like, usually, most TV shows have, at best, like, one great character. The Office has several. Um, Michael Scott being the greatest of great, but, you know, there's, there's with, with Dwight and Jim and Pam, like, there's lots of great characters. But, but also, they're great at mixing humor and heart. Right? Like they can break your heart in all the best ways, as well as make you laugh a ton. Whereas other comedies uh, tend to just be just laughs, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right? Uh, And then there's other comedies I know that like try to do the feels, but they don't do it well. And then I just say, you should have just kept delivering on the laughs. Right? Like, for example, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think it's hilarious. But it's not very good at the whole heart thing. They've tried a couple of times, but they mostly just don't even bother trying because it's not really that great at it. Um, You know, there's a couple kind of like nice heartwarming scenes, but very little. But they don't try to keep brute forcing it in there. They're like, no, we're a comedy. We accept that and we're going to make you laugh. And that's fine because that's what they're great at. So. I know that turned into a whole tangent, but the idea here, right, is you want at least one thing to be great and memorable and stick out. And in your song, that could be a single line, um, which gets us to the second point, which is writing a tattoo lyric or thinking about writing a tattoo lyric really gets you thinking on the micro level for lyric quality, right? So it's easy to like look at a sheet of lyrics, right? Look at the whole poem, if you will, and say how good it is, right? Now, the good part about that is it sort of allows you to grade a song as a whole um, to know when to like keep working on it because it's still not there versus like, okay, it's good now. Um, so we, we need to be able to grade on a macro level, right? But um, I think the best way to get an elite great lyric is to look at the micro level, right? Because you can have a really good overall lyric that has um, lyrical weak spots, and ha- may- may- you could even have a whole second verse that's just kind of like, eh, eh okay. Um, 
and it might pass your macro level, big level lyric test, right? Because you might be like, oh, but the chorus is so good and the verse one is so good and the third verse is pretty good and the bridge is good. So like the second verse, eh, it doesn't really bring down the grade of the whole song that much, right? But tattoo lyric concept gets you thinking more on the micro level, right? You're looking line by line, which is about as micro as you can get outside of like changing individual words. Um, So if you have listened, I believe it's podcast 30. I I still maintain, I I don't remember how good my talking was or whatever, because I know I've gotten a lot better. Uh, in front of a mic as we've done these podcasts. But as far as the concept, if there's like one thing that I just really want people to go back and get or re-listen to, uh, I talk about what I call iterative lyric writing. It's the idea. So go back and check that out. I think it's episode 30. Uh, It's the idea of going through your song and constantly just slightly tweaking little bits and pieces to make it better and better until you're honestly tweaking just on the word level where you're just like looking up thesaurus.com similar words to your word because it's not quite precise enough and you change that one word and stuff like that um which is sort of the same idea we're getting into right like that's looking at the micro level of lyric quality the same way this tattoo lyric concept is, right? It's getting you in the habit of not brushing over like, well, this whole section's not that great, but eh, the whole song's still pretty good overall. Like, I want you to get away from that attitude, right? Because how often would you say an artist releases an album, right? Even a professional artist probably is releasing, give or take, a single 10 song album every two years, right? So, and, and honestly, I know a bunch of artists that are highly successful that are more like one 12 song album every three and a half to four years, right? But I think we'd all agree, right, that, that at best the average is probably, well, at best is probably 12 songs, every two years on an album, right? Not too many albums go past that anymore, except for rap albums, but that's kind of a a, a different thing. So let's take that for a second. All right. So let's say you are releasing as much music as these people who literally that is their job, which maybe you are, maybe you're releasing more, uh, maybe less. Um, I know for me personally, my goal from here on out is to release a five-ish song EP every single year Um, because albums are too daunting for somebody who has, you know, other, you know, a day job and, you know, I do this podcast as well uh, and other other things I do like the Mount Rushmore of everything and stuff like that. Um, but like, it's just, it's, it's too much to expect. An album's just gargantuan and I want like something to accomplish every year. So I figured a four to six song EP is pretty aggressive. It's still keeping up with, um, what most professional artists do, right? Cause that a six song EP every year, for example, would add up to 12 songs every two years, which is what we just said is probably best case scenario. What a professional artist is doing. Um, so all to say, right? Like you're probably somewhere in there. So 12 songs every two years. That's six songs per year. So if you're going to only show the world six songs every year, 
do you really want 20, 25% of your song to have meh, lyrics? Or are you gonna, do you want to take the time to make sure every part of your lyric is something that you can stand behind forever and be proud of? Right? Because that's one song every two months. Do you really want a whole second verse that's trash? Or do you want a memorable song with a tattoo lyric in it? Or at least thinking of the tattoo lyric enough to keep yourself accountable to have a high level of song. So, last point on why to get a tat- why to write a tattoo lyric. <laughs> not to get one. I don't have any tattoos. And I'm not a big fan of tattoos, so I would not tell you to get a tattoo. But the last thing that this does for you implicitly raises your lyric standard. So the reality is that if you have one A-plus line, it probably makes you want to make all your C-plus lines at least B-plus lines. I know those were a lot of letters, but think about it. Nothing makes mediocrity stand out like something great, right? Like, in my opinion, Star Wars has suffered greatly from the greatness of of the original trilogy. Um, there's some truly painful stuff in some of the prequel trilogy, but it's gotten to the point that it starts to feel like, for some section of fans, there's, you just can't... They're like, well, we want the magic of the originals, which, by the way, that certain magic, some level of that can never be back, right? Like, that's why they're the originals, right? Like, everything else, to some extent, is in the same universe. Like, you're not going to get a new Star Wars universe for a Star Wars movie, right? Like, the Force isn't going to be a new Force. Like, like, just a silly thing to ask. But anyway, um, but so often, right, like, and nothing makes Episode 1 and 2 seem so bad as watching them after Episode 5, right? Because you've seen how good it can be, and now you're watching Episode 1 or 2 thinking, like, really? Come on. Um... And, you know, I think I mentioned The Office before. I think, you know, lots of people hate on the last two seasons. Honestly, season eight kind of lost its way without Steve Carell, but um, season nine's pretty good overall. And there are some missteps in there. But honestly, when you take the show, just like if I go back and just randomly watch an episode from season eight or nine, I'm usually like, wow, this is really good. The only reason I didn't think of it as really good is the lofty standards that The Office created when Steve Carell was there as Michael and that can be a curse right the way I'm talking about it now it sort of sounds like a curse but at the same time that is an all-time show right it's the most streamed show on the planet and it's that kind of standard setting that is good even if it didn't meet that standard in the last season's you know that's sad but it doesn't matter overall right because once they hit the greatness, that was the new standard, which means now they're less likely to ever be truly mediocre, right? So similarly, if you have just an amazing line and the line right after it was like mediocre, if before your amazing line was kind of a okay line, um, then two okay lines next to each other are, you know, 
okay. But when you have a great line next to an okay line, that all of a sudden you notice, right? So what I love about the tattoo lyric is once you have that one lyric, even if you just commit to upgrading one lyric to just being a great tattoo lyric, now all of a sudden all of your mediocre lyrics are no longer good enough to be in that song. And you're going to notice that and you're going to need to and want to level those up, which is good because that's the standard you should have. Right? Like your standard should be I want A minus at worst or maybe B plus at worst, I don't know, B at worst lyrics, right? Like we should not be striving for mediocrity or be okay with mediocrity. We don't release, we don't write enough songs to just kind of phone in the lyrics constantly. So, finally sort of the meat of this. How, how do we write a tattoo lyric? There's five things, I think, that you need to th- think through with a tattoo lyric. Now, there's some concept of, like, it needs to be a great lyric that I can't, I can't just tell you how to do, right? Like, it, it, at some point, some of the... I can teach you a lot, but I can't teach everything, right? It depends on the song, and it depends on... And, and, and there's no hard, fast rules. Uh, I can get into... In a future podcast, I can talk about some lyric rules and i think i have in previous podcasts and blogs as well um some rules uh of things to avoid is easier to teach than you know what to do but we're going to take a stab at it here so how to write a tattoo lyric one thing is it doesn't need context right because if it's a tattoo on someone's body practically speaking right like you're not going to look at that and be like "Oh, oh what's 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 that mean like and then and then the person with the tattoo says to you, oh, you'd get it if you knew the rest of the song. Or you'd get it if you saw the rest of the movie, right? Like, that's not that's not what people tattoo on their bodies, usually. Inside jokes or whatever. I mean, some do. But generally, the concept of the tattoo lyric is it's a single line that stands out, right? Like, all the quotable things you've heard or, you know, the famous quotes you've heard, like, like uh, you know, the... You know, I didn't, I didn't, I just learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb or whatever. Like, nobody knows what the heck he said before that or after that, nor does anybody care. That line stands on its own, right? Like, the concept of seeing failure as just figuring out another way how not to do something and as a logical step towards success, right? Like, that, that quote is all about, like, each failure is a, is a step towards success. It's seeing failure in a different light. That is universal, and we don't need the context of exactly what he said before and after that because it doesn't matter, and that's part of what a tattoo lyric is. It's something that doesn't need context. It's powerful on its own. It doesn't need the rest of the song in order to be powerful and meaningful. Uh, speaking of meaningful, that second thing is it needs to be something meaningful, right? There aren't too many... Uh, you know, nobody, I hope, please, please, I hope, nobody has Katy Perry's Last Friday Night's lyrics tattooed on them, right? Like, you're not going to go to the beach with your parents with, you know, a tattoo that says, you know, something about Friday Night and menage a trois and stuff like that, right? Like, like I hope, <laughs> like, you're not going to do that. That's probably not meaningful to you. If of all the lyrics you've ever heard, something involving that is what's meaningful to you, you need to reevaluate a lot of things, I think. Not the most deep, meaningful lyrics, right? 
Um, I believe that's me being kind about that, but, um, so something meaningful, right? Something, something a little deeper, something talking about human condition or relationships or something, uh, not talking about the stupid stuff you did when you were drunk high and whatever else on Friday night, which is the whole concept of the Friday night song, which somehow was made even worse. If I may go on a slight rant here, somehow was made even worse by the whole thing that like, like you half expect her to like come around and be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And all this was stupid stuff I did that I shouldn't do again. But then the moral of the story is let's do it again on next Friday night. Like, are you an idiot? Like how, what? Nothing about anything you just described sounds good. You woke up with like stranger in your bed and scratches, I think, and hungover and a headache and and stuff is broken. And I, I don't remember all this stuff, but there's a lot of crap in there. That's like, no, who wants this? And then she, the moral is, let's do it again. But whatever. Anyway, so number three, something relatable. Right, so it needs to be something that people can relate to. Um, I'm a big fan of keeping. I, I like my lyrics to be personal, but I tend away to, from details that would make something less relatable. Right, so if you have a love song, and the whole love song gets into like your beautiful blue eyes and brown hair, um, now you've just lost all of the people who are in love with blondes and redheads and maybe people with black hair as well right uh some you know there's some vagueness where 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 brown and and black hair you know where, where the line is there right like um i don't know it just seems vague to me whereas i feel like there's a firmer defined line between blonde hair and and uh Brown. I guess that's not really true because it's like dirty blonde, which is sort of in between. Anyway, moral of the story, right, is like y you have a certain – people have a certain image of what a brunette is, a brown hair in their mind. And if their significant other has black hair or has blonde hair, has red hair, or dyes their hair purple or whatever, like now they can't relate anymore, right? Because they're like, no, I'm in love with the purple hair of this person who dyes their hair or whatever. And, you know, you also specified blue eyes, which – you know, so now it has to be a dark haired person with with blue eyes for people to like relate to that. I mean, you know, sometimes people can get over that. Right. And and but but to, to me, there's some level of like, well, now you just made it a, uh, with little gain. You just made it something that not everybody can relate to, you know, especially like there are some people out there that are just they just are into blondes or whatever, or into redheads. The second you say that this person that you're writing this great love song is about is about brunettes, right? Like a brunette, like lost, they're gone. Cause they're like, Oh, I can't relate to that. Right. Meanwhile, I'm like, I, I, my whole life has been dictated by light eyes and dark hair. Like that's like, that's my type. So, so, it, it, but the point is not everybody can relate to that. Right. So, Number four, find a new way to say something very human, right? So saying the same stuff that's been said about humans before is not going to stick out, right? There's 
most songs deal with some level of human condition and loss of something or gain of something or happiness over a thing. And most songs are something to do with something very human, right? Because it's humans writing songs. So there aren't too many people writing songs that only a dog would be able to relate to, right? But um, yours is not going to stand out above the others unless you find a new way to say something that is still very human. Maybe it's with something symbolic. Maybe it's with a fresh way to look at something. Um, but you got to find a new way to say something that's still very human. Uh, and lastly, timeless. This is what scratches off all those crap pop songs from this from tattoo lyrics. Timeless means no pop culture references, right? Looking at you, uh, party in the USA, right? That whole thing is just a bunch of pop culture references, right? The Jay-Z song is on. Kids in 10 years are going to listen to that song and say, what the heck is Jay-Z, right? Like, it's not going to be timeless. That's not a timeless concept, Almost everything in that song is very time boxed, right? Like, there's only a certain window where it's gonna be relevant or make any sense. No text lingo, right? Looking at you, I think it was an Ariana Grande song. I don't remember, but like, or or uh, Britney Spears has the like "I'm a slave for you" and it like uses a four and stuff like that kind of garbage. Like, no text lingo, right? Because text lingo is already should be dead, right? Like, if you're still typing you, the letter, instead of Y-O-U, when now, like, you can type on your phone almost as quickly as you can type on a freaking keyboard, like, you have some serious, just, like, come on, really? Like, spell out the word. It's two extra characters, which takes you, like, 30 milliseconds. So, to be timeless, it can't be any of those things. No text lingo, no pop culture references, and typical pop song garbage, because that, in 20 years on a tattoo, is just going to be confusing. And hopefully anybody that you want to listen to your music and enjoy your music is not dumb enough to put that on their body. Because um, I know there are people out there that probably put just unimaginably stupid lyrics on their bodies, but we can uh, be sad about that another day. So I decided to run a little experiment and I did a, a Google image search for tattoo lyrics. And I'm going to read some of the first ones that came up just to give you sort of an idea. Um, and this is in order, by the way. So none of my biases come in here. This is literally just what's there, which you'll see because there is a pop artist on there. Um, although I would argue that this pop artist is... Um, averages to a better lyricist than than most pop stars. Yeah, I'll stick with that. Uh, so the first one, you're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather in a beautiful world, which is Creep by Radiohead, right? Very famous song. That lyric uh, doesn't need context, right? You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather in a beautiful world. Right? Like, that's not... That's something that anybody could relate to and attach... Like, I have no idea. I don't know that song well enough to know what takes place in the song. And guess what? It doesn't. Because that lyric stands on its own. 
I threw stones at the stars, but the whole sky fell, which is the stable song by Gregory Allen Isakov, which I've never heard of, but man, that lyric is beautiful to me. I, I, everybody sort of has symbolisms they lean towards. For some reason, I really like, uh, water, like sea, ocean, uh, imagery. And I really like space stars, nighttime imagery. Um, so that one specifically speaks to me. Um, so I threw stones at the stars, but the whole sky fell. You know, that stands on its own, right? Like, you don't need to know anything about the rest of the song to get something from that, pow- what I think is a very powerful image of, you know, a casual person s- sitting on Earth throwing stones at the stars, but then the whole sky fell. Like, that's not what they were asking for, right? They were just, you know, wishing for maybe one star. They were, you know... Like, how you interpret that doesn't really matter either, right? Like, my interpretation might be different than yours, but that is dripping with meaning. Whatever the meaning actually is, it's dripping with it, right? And it's something that a lot of people would find to be a beautiful, meaningful lyric. You belong somewhere, you feel free, which is Wildflowers by Tom Petty. Um, So... It's a pretty basic one. You belong somewhere, you feel free. But it's kind of one of those like basic but sort of uh, semi-profound things, right? Like, I wouldn't say this is that profound. But, you know, you belong somewhere, you feel free. Like, that's, that's simple, but at the same time, it's the sort of thing that makes you think, yeah, um, maybe I do belong somewhere where I, I feel free. You know, I feel free to be myself. I feel free to, um, you know, that's something that somebody could relate to, right? You don't. Don't belong to no city, don't belong to no man, which is Hurricane by by Halsey, which is the only pop star on this list. Uh, Also, I think it's the weakest one, but don't belong to no city, don't belong to no man. Kind of just like, I don't know, why would somebody tattoo that on their body? It just seems odd. Like when that person gets married, if they do, like that's that's going to that's going to be odd right like don't belong to no man but you're i don't know whatever so regardless though that's the type of thing that like you know a a person could relate to probably a female and be like yeah i don't you know i'm 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 a wildflower and i you know travel from one place to the other and and i don't belong to any man i'm just you know, I'm a strong, independent woman and I'm, you know, I'm traveling all over the U.S. and blah, blah, blah. I can relate to this. Boom. Tattoo. Right. Like that makes sense. Right. I can almost like see some females I know that 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 would fit in that um, to like, I don't know if they'd actually tattoo that, but would relate to that lyric. Right. Um, as a guy, I can't relate to that, obviously. But um, if you swat, switched it to don't belong to no woman, maybe, but I'm also married, so still no. But um, I also personally am very pro-commitment, so that whole thing is kind of not something I can relate to. But I understand it's a thing that a lot of people can relate to, and there's probably a time in my life I could relate to that, right? So either, either way, um, regardless of personal stuff, right? Like, again, it's no pop culture references. It's something relatable. It's something meaningful. doesn't need context. Uh, something very human, right? That that idea of freedom, you know, doesn't belong to anybody. Sort of like the you belong somewhere, you feel free. Um, 
so again has all of those requirements and the and and the days go by like a strand in the wind in the web that is my own i begin again which is edge of 17 by stevie nicks another it's a just beautifully crafted lyric dripping with meaning again doesn't need context something meaningful something relatable find a new way to say something very human and timeless right like it's all of those things so i encourage you to do a uh, search for the same thing on google tattoo lyrics and uh some of those things will give you an idea of of uh the type of lyrics that people would tattoo on their bodies which is sort of where this you know that's where the namesake of this concept comes from uh, I don't necessarily stand by all of the lyrics that may come up actually being lyrics that I would consider worthy of such an honor, um, but uh, definitely something worth looking into. So again, Tattoo Lyric is one that stands on its own, a single line that's dripping with meaning and a line that a person could see as particularly meaningful, usually doesn't need context, it's something meaningful, it's something relatable. Uh, it's finding a new way to say something that's still very human and is timeless. And all pop culture references and text lingo and crap like that, uh, which is all very time boxed. And only specific people would relate to that. And only in a specific time period, probably. Um, so I hope this was helpful to you. And if it was, I have a free guide I've talked about before. That will give you 10 ways to start writing a song right now. They are 10 killer ways. They're super helpful for starting a song. They're also super helpful for continuing a song. Just different ways to look at the songwriting process from different angles so that if you're stuck from one angle, you can get unstuck from another angle. Super helpful. Totally free at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Link will be in the description as always. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a subscriber. If you are a subscriber, if you're not, click the subscribe button because you're listening to a podcast and that's the thing you can do. Um, if there's something that you would like to uh, ask me to talk about, email me, joseph at songwritertheory.com. That is J-O-S-E-P-H because I have learned over time that I thought that was a thing everybody knew, but some people think it's spelled J-O-E-S-E-P-H, which is like, really? Have you read a book ever anyway um so joseph j-o-s-e-p-h at songwritertheory.com reach out to me start a conversation i'd be happy to talk to you i've gone back and forth with many other people at this point um and i always enjoy hearing from you even if you just want to say hey like the podcast thanks for making it or hey Last podcast, I got offended because you said something you should, I don't know, whatever. Whatever you want to say to me, I am always happy to hear from you. So feel free to email me there. But otherwise, if you don't email me, I will talk to you and everyone else that listens to this podcast next week. <laughs>